welcome to... Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We have finally reached that point, folks. 2021 NCAA Tennis Tournament officially underway. Action getting started this Friday. We'll have round of 64 and round of 32 matches Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on both the men's and women's side. It is going to be a fantastic weekend of tennis. And joining me to preview all of the men's action as he so often does whenever we're talking college tennis here at Cracked Rackets. You know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite writer on our website, CrackedRackets.com. It's Matt the Cracks to Koyak. Matty, hey, great shot. Just you and me. We dropped Chris. We dropped a couple LBs heading into this podcast, but certainly we are excited for what has to be one of the best weekends of tennis in, on the calendar. Yeah, for sure. And look, Gruskin, we're just a few hours away, right? I mean, this is coming up quick. We only have a few hours left. And I I feel like I'm even more excited this year just because we didn't have it last year, right? Mm -hmm. It's been two full years since we've had the NCAA tournament. It was the same way with kickoff weekend, ITA, and like all of this stuff, just the excitement is just there, man. I'm ready to go. These matches are going to be great. It does feel like it was a lifetime ago that Texas won that 2019 national championship. Of course, Texas technically still the defending champions heading into this event. And, you know, I I suppose that's something to keep in mind, although it's pretty much a completely different tennis team in Texas. I believe Chi Chi Huang, the only guy still on the roster who was a part of that national championship run. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you. 15 months is far too long for no NCAA tennis. Now, certainly we enjoyed the national national indoors, but there's that thrill in May, the outdoor championships, the fact that we're back in Orlando, are we going to see the love bugs again? How often, how frequently are they going to become a part of our life over the next two weeks? And, you know, yeah, I I think top to bottom, regardless of how the seating shook out, and we discussed that on our GSP last week or earlier this week, excuse me, I obviously had the chance to sit down with ITA CEO Tim Russell and discuss that as well. So if you're looking for draw reaction, you're looking for more depth as to how we got to this point, be sure to go check out those podcasts earlier in the week. What we're going to be doing on today's show, straight predictions. We're going to start at the most interesting regions, work our way across the board here. And again, Maddie and I just focusing on the but rest assured, the GOAT, Colette Lewis, going to be joining me for a podcast breaking down the women's side as well. She's going to be offering us some men's predictions too because we want to hear her thoughts on both sides of the action. But again, here on this podcast, going to be focused just on the men's field and just on this weekend's action. We will reset next week once we find out what that Sweet 16 looks like. I will drag Chris Hallioris's back from his biking competition to ensure that he is on that podcast because we understand he's got a family. He's got things he has to do, and we always appreciate the time he's willing to spend. That's why we'll give him one night off here tonight. I'm not going to give him two nights off, Maddie, so I can guarantee you we will see him on the next podcast. But again, the focus here today previewing Friday, Saturday, Sunday's Division I men's NCAA round of 64 and round of 32 action. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out here on the Great Shot Podcast is because of the support we get from our friends at Turn Tennis. You guys already know. 
Turner Grip, it's the only grip that gets tackier when you sweat. It's performance in hot and humid conditions, the sort of conditions we are certain to see in Orlando, is unmatched. And did you know that color, that iconic blue that can be seen on the rackets of hundreds of, of touring pros, is trademarked? I bet you didn't, but now you do, and you also know our friends at Turner Grip providing you the best grip in the business. If you would like to contact them to get college pricing or free samples, just email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. You mentioned Cracked Rackets sent you again. You'll get college pricing or free samples. Email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. With that in mind, Maddie, let's get into our regions. And again, we're going to spend a disproportionate amount of time on some of these regions over the others. Quite frankly, some of them shouldn't end up being that interesting. If they are, that will be notable to us and certainly we'll break it down next week. But I want to hear picks. I want to offer picks. We want to break down all the action, talk about where the upsets might happen, let all of you listeners know which regions you should be watching most closely. Worth noting, Maddie, that we did get a final say from, I believe, our friend Bobby Knight, who kind of looked around and found what was available. It does sound like we're going to have streams this weekend at Wake Forest, which is something we were not sure about. Now, the bad news, uh, you know, we are going to be missing out on a couple of the sites. There will be no cameras here at Kentucky, no cameras for the UNC men or women, no cameras for the Northwestern women. But overall, we're going to get to see a lot of the action. And I think the place we have to start is probably in Chris Halioris' backyard in Lexington with the Kentucky region. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, there's that classic Michigan bias. Are we going to be dealing with this all podcast? Well, the answer to that is A, if you're just learning about my Michigan bias, you obviously haven't been following the show that long. But B, Maddie, I think objectively, right, you look at this region, Kentucky playing the hosts here. They're going to take on Cleveland State, who always seems to win their conference and has just been so, so good over this past decade of college tennis. And then, obviously, the headline matchup. Michigan taking on Arizona, both teams top, I believe, 17, according to the USTA rankings. You look at the coaches poll, they're both teams that have been hovering around that top 15 range for the duration of this season. This is our most interesting uh, region of the weekend, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. There's three teams here. And look, Cleveland State, great. You mentioned great job to them winning their conference. They, they seem to do that every year. But I really think there's three teams within this particular region that could make Orlando. I really do. I think you could make a case for Arizona, for Michigan, and for Kentucky. So as soon as the draw got released, this one immediately jumped out to both of us. I know it. Yeah, and you look at what these teams accomplished this season. The big note, we'll start with the host, Kentucky, who, you know, were they a top four team in the SEC? You know, maybe not. They're probably outside that bubble of the Florida, the Tennessee, A&M, and, you know, Georgia-ish range. But I don't know. I mean, with what we saw from Georgia this season— they were definitely in that competition for that four spot in the SEC. And you look at their schedule, 18-7 and seven overall on the season. Some of their best wins they put together this year uh, came in matches. You know, they ended up beating uh, teams like Arkansas, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. They take 4-3 losses at Georgia, at Tennessee. They get knocked off 4-1 uh, by Texas A&M in the quarterfinals. But, you know, certainly they beat everyone they were supposed to beat this season. 
season. They played a bunch of close matches against good teams. I mentioned those four threes to Virginia and Georgia. They also played a 4-3 earlier in the season against USC. Now, if you're going to hold a loss against them, you say that at Alabama 4-3 at the end of February, fine. But this was a team that really found its stride, uh, I would say, towards the back half of the season. And even though they lost a couple of those matches to, you know, lose 4-3 to Georgia and Tennessee, 5-2 to Florida, but to beat South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State in a six-match stretch, A, that is a brutal six-match stretch. And B, their results indicative of the talent of this team. Obviously, Draxel, number one, he's still so young, but this team's really good right now. And they're only going to get better over the next few seasons. Yeah, I've liked this team, Gruskin, throughout this entire season. I really have. Even going back to to January, February, I just think they have talented players. They're dangerous. We know they're not a top 10 team, right? They were never in that range. (laughs) But it's like, man, they have the skill. They have some guys, especially when you're led by Liam Draxel. I mean, this guy's the number one player in the country, according to the rankings. You know, and everyone can argue about the rankings. But I'm just saying, he (laughs) is that good. He's had the results. He's number one in the country. Anytime you have a player of that caliber – the rest just kind of fills in down below him. So, you know, they played in the SEC conference. We know match in, match out. It's such a difficult conference to play in, and they've more than held their own. So, yes, I I think for Kentucky – they have a chance to do some damage. They yeah. really do. You look at the stats for them, Draxel 19-2 and two this season at the number one position. That, against the SEC competition, that's how you earn a number one ranking in the country. And coming into this season, we talked about him amongst the ranks of the elite of the elite. When you have that guy up top, it just injects confidence into the rest of your lineup. It allows you to think, all right, well, we're going to beat them up top. Now we just got to, you know, that sends a message. Now the rest of the guys just got to follow Draxel's lead. And they've been able to. You know, 16 and 5 at the number two position primarily. That's Gabriel Diallo. They're 15 and 6 at three, 10 and 3 behind Millen Hurrion. The problem is. Once you hit the NCAA tournament, that strong top three, everyone's got a strong top three, right? And that's where depth becomes critical. And, you know, for them, they're 13 to nine and four, 12 and six at five, eight and eight at six. That's fine. But now you start to look at some of the teams they're going to come up against. And I think in particular, you know, we can move now to my Michigan Wolverines, who certainly have the top three to hang, right? In Fenty, Styler, Maloney, but then in Seymour and Beatty, one could argue they've got the best four and five here this weekend, and you add that to their doubles point. I mean, Michigan is very capable of winning this region. Very capable of winning this region, Gruskin. Uh, I mean, just the experience alone, yep. right? You look at guys like Fenty who have been around now and and Pat Maloney and Beattie and, and Seymour. I mean, these guys are very experienced. They've played in the NCAA tournament before. They know what's going on. And I just, I've always liked Michigan in doubles. I think that gives them a big advantage. And look, they haven't won every doubles point this season. I'm sure you have the stats, you know, in dual matches. <laughs> what's their record in dubs? I don't really even care. I I just know Fenty and Seymour to me, the eye test. I watched them play in person. I loved what I saw out of those guys. Andre Styler is a tremendous doubles player. You throw in guys like Maloney and Connor Johnston, who's a doubles specialist. I just think that gives this Michigan team an edge over some of these other teams that happen to be in the same bracket, like in Arizona and like a Kentucky, because for me, I happen to like Michigan over both of those teams 
in the doubles point. And then all you got to do is split the singles. I think they're very, very capable. Absolutely. 4-3 is going to be the name of the game. And just quickly to introduce our final players here, uh, I'll get to Arizona momentarily. But since you said I'll have some stats available, I want to deliver for our listeners. You look for the Wolverines 10-3 and at the number one doubles position. We've talked on this podcast at length about how good Fenty and Seymour can be. They've delivered the goods for the Wolverines uh, throughout the course of the season. Now, Wolverines 12-5 and at number three, but there's been a lot of playing around. BD Maloney, Aaron Schneider, Johnston. I think they've tried. You look across the board seven different pairings at number three now the good news is they've had success but it has been seven different pairings and then you know at number two doubles it does feel like they've stuck with that duo of Styler uh, and Nick Beattie of late and you know those two have had success but we've seen Beattie and Maloney we've seen Styler and Maloney I think it was Styler and Maloney who played against Ohio State certainly and so uh, again it's there's options for Coach uh, Steinberg and options he feels good about at the two and three doubles position. Really can come down to what singles player is hot. But then, you know, again, you look at an Arizona team that was one of the best stories of this season. They go 19 and seven overall. They get the huge win over the USC Trojans. They knock off UCLA as well, beat Arizona State before, you know, losing to SC in the Pac-12 tournament, of course, for them. They brought the Strom this season, Gustav Strom, putting together arguably, you know, outside of Johannes Monday, one of the three to five best seasons of any freshman in the country. Strom worked his way up to the number one singles position. 17 and 2 in dual matches this season, Maddie. Of course, they're also 18 and 4 at the number 3 singles position, 17 and 5 at the number 4 singles position. This Arizona team, look, they've struggled in doubles and that yeah, struggle struggles uh, I don't think that's quite fair because they're 15 and 4 I suppose at number 2. They haven't been great at doubles. They've been fine, but they can win six singles flights in any match. Yeah, that's the thing with this Arizona team is they're so good top to bottom one through six that anybody can win. You know, you mm-hmm. look at it, you don't know where the three points are going to come from. You know, you would think Gustav Strom is going to be one for sure just because of his record this year. Um, but you can count on pretty much everybody. For me, though, Gruskin, on the master lineup, this guy by the name of <laughs> Herman Hoyerall or, or Hoyerall? Double H, double H. Double H. Look, he's played four duels the entire season. He's 3-0 and at the number six position and 1-0 and at the number five position. They have him submitted at number four. This guy, to me, is a wild card. Like, yeah. what are we going to see out of him? I don't know. Uh, but I think that's interesting. And, and yes, they are, they're skilled. They've shown that they can beat some of the best teams in the country, you know, out in the Pac-12 conference. So, they're dangerous, but they're matching up with a Michigan team that, in my opinion, is significantly better in doubles. So I give Michigan a big edge in doubles, which is very important. Number two, just the experience factor, right? Mm-hmm. Michigan has guys that have been there, done that. This is all kind of new for Arizona, which, you know, you have to start somewhere. I think Arizona is going to be around for years to come. This is just the start for them. But when you break it down, you look at some of these matchups. I kind of like Michigan, man. Yeah, no, again, talked about it. And will you do me a favor? Will you read me the listed Arizona 7? Because it is interesting what they submitted. Yeah, Gustav Strom, number one. Jonas Zverts number mm-hmm. two. Philip Malbasic, number three. Double H at four. Alejandro 
Rigwant mm-hmm. at five, and he's been very good for them at number four. He's primarily played at, at four throughout the season. And then Carlos Hassi at number six with Nick Lagayev at number seven. Lagayev's played a lot. I mean, Hassi and Lagayev have been the guys at five and six. Double H, this guy's the wild card, man. He's the new guy in there. I swear he wasn't even rostered like a couple of months ago because Mm -hmm. Baylor played Arizona. Arizona came to Waco. This guy was nowhere to be found. I'm just telling you. So that's their top seven. You could pull double H and that'll be the lineup that they've gone with throughout the majority of the season. So whether he plays, whether he doesn't play, I don't think it even matters. They have seven guys that can legitimately play. And that's great news. Now, and you know, double H is the new Tim Siebert. Sorry to ruin your joke, Chris, because he gets pulled. That's the lineup you've seen from Arizona the majority of this season. And I'm going to assume he does get pulled. And you look at the power six UTRs, Maddie, the Michigan-Arizona match is a straight up toss up. Straight up toss-up. Michigan, a 78.5 power six. Arizona, 78.35. You look at the various permutations of singles. All but one of the matches, Maddie, are within .1 UTR. Michigan, a favorite at number one and number five singles. And BD Hassey, by the way, the biggest gap. BD, .25 favorite over Hassey. Everything else within the .1 margin. Zieverts, .07 over Fenty. Milbosic, .09 over Maloney. Ranganat, .01 over Seymour, and then Lagayev, 0.03 over Aaron Schneider. What does that point to? It means the doubles point is going to be critical, as you mentioned. It's going to be so hard for either of these teams to steal four singles matches. Now, across the board, just some quick UTR comparisons. Arizona, a 78.35. Michigan, a 78.5. Kentucky, a 78.85. All of these teams are within half a UTR point, Maddie. when you look at their power six. Let's get to the predictions. I think we've broken it down as much as we can. We've talked about the strength of each of these teams. What's so interesting is the strengths for all of them. A little bit different. Which way are you leaning? First round, I, I'm taking Michigan over Arizona. For all the uh, reasons that we just mentioned, I just believe doubles can make the difference here and my confidence level in the wolverines doubles is so much higher than arizona it just Mm -hmm. i don't trust arizona in doubles and i think that could be their downfall i think you could see the single split three and three what does that boil down to dubs i go michigan so i'm taking the wolverines over the wildcats in the first round i also have kentucky over cleveland state at home so (laughs) that leads to a kentucky Michigan match uh, in the round of 32 for a spot in Orlando. And you know what, Gruskin? You may hate this. You may call me a jinx or whatever. I'm taking the Wolverines. Ah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Okay, and I thought about this. I thought about it for a while. But there's going to be some upsets, right? We know not all 16 hosts are going to make it to Orlando. It never works out that way. This, to me, just is a prime upset region. Mm -hmm. Kentucky's really good. But again, you kind of look at Kentucky-Michigan – I still lean Michigan in doubles. I do when you've got Fenty and Seymour that just that opens things up. And I really like Michigan in doubles. And I I think it's similar to the Arizona match for Michigan. You win the doubles point, 
you split the singles, find a way to get three of them there. And you know what? Maybe Draxel beats Fenty, right? At one, that's fine. Give them that. But then you look, hey, Styler and, and Diallo. I mean, I like Andre Styler, man. Kyrian and Maloney. I mean, that could be a toss-up. I like Maloney. I mean, you just go down and then Seymour's experience and Nick Beattie's experience. I look at this and I just feel like Michigan has enough. They have enough. If they play their best tennis, they can get through this region. They can, and I'm going to pick them. Yeah. Look, of all of the match calculi, uh, the one <laughs> calculi, sorry, that I said that word literally to entertain myself, but of all the match calculi here this weekend, doubles, four, five, and then one more for Michigan, that's the one I like most. I like Seymour in all of his matches. I like Beattie in all of his matches. And by the way, those are your leaders, your upperclassmen for this Michigan team. And of course, doubles has been something uh, Coach Steinberg-led Wolverine teams have prided themselves on throughout his tenure. And so, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think their pathway is the clearest. Now, again, Arizona can win across the board. And I actually kind of dislike the Arizona matchup more than I dislike the Kentucky matchup because I don't think anyone's going to sweep Michigan at the top three, especially after we literally just got swept at the top three by Illinois. I think those guys are going to feel wounded. Uh, I think they're going to come out angry. I think they're going to come out motivated. And I do think, you know, again, Doubles, 4-5, one more versus Arizona. Doubles, 4-5, one more versus Kentucky. That makes the most sense to me. And so, of course, I'm going to pick my Wolverines to emerge out of the region. But I'm also expecting 4-3 matches, perhaps in both. And if that Arizona match goes 4-3, then the Kentucky match is a brand new ballgame, right? Because the legs are a little heavier and there's emotions on the line, etc., etc. It's going to be a fantastic region. Now, of course, again, Kentucky, Arizona, Michigan. Who do you have to guess? I mean, you have to guess, Betty, and then I will give the answer. Who do you think Chris Halioris went with? Kentucky. And he did SEC yeah. Homer. <laughs> exactly. That's SEC. easy. SEC Homer through and through. Chris Halliors, of course, picking the Kentucky Wildcats. And again, we will tweet out all of our picks uh, at the end of this. But Maddie and I both going with Michigan. Chris going to go with Kentucky. That is, objectively, your most interesting region here on the weekend. But now we move to our next region. I promise we're not going to spend 17 minutes on all of them. We are going to go a little bit quicker here, pick up the pace, because in particular, now you look at some of these regions. Yes, the round of 64 are going to be interesting, but the round of 32, what really catches our attention and the place we have to go next. The fact that Ohio State isn't a host region is an atrocity we've already discussed on this podcast. The fact that the Ohio State Buckeyes drew Tony Bresky and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, one of quietly the best rivalries in college tennis. I know I say that about a lot of schools, but quietly one of the best rivalries. You look at it, National Indoor Championship match they played in Charlottesville a few years ago. Torpegard clinches over Gojo to deliver the victory uh, for the Buckeyes. You look at last year's National Indoors, 4-3 win, Trotter clinching over Nava. That That was probably my favorite match of the event. Now, Buckeyes travel to Winston-Salem, where number 10 Wake Forest, your host site. They are going to play South Carolina State in their first round. Ohio State going to take on VCU. But, of course, the matchup we are all looking forward to, Buckeyes versus the Demon Deacons. You look at their records, Buckeyes 20-3 overall on the season. Their only loss is Virginia, Michigan, 
Illinois. You look for Wake Forest. They struggled at first, and of course, it was so long ago, but we thought they were going to have Barbatzer. We thought they were going to have two sensational freshmen delivering in their lineup. That hasn't exactly been the case. Now, for Wake Forest, they found their six. And Squire, Nava, Kungu, Banthia, uh, Estafalu, and whomever I'm missing, and Body, thank you. That six can hang with anyone. And you look for them now, 28-6 and six here. They got a win over UNC at the end of the season before losing to UNC in that dramatic 4-3 conference semifinal. They are going to be a little bit angry, a little bit hungry after that loss that they felt went completely against them. I think it's safe to say we're all three of us are going to pick an Ohio State-Wake Forest final. Maddie, your first inclination when you look at this region. Yeah, for sure. I just I look at it and and it's I cannot wait for this match, Bruskin. Uh, uh. I, I cannot wait for this match. But Wake is very good at home. Mm-hmm. If you if you're an opposing team going into Winston Salem, that is not an easy place to play. Wake Forest has an impeccable record at home over the past several seasons. You know, going back to their national championship when we were there in 2018, even prior to that, ever since Tony Bresky has taken over at, at Wake Forest. But they've always kind of struggled in doubles, you know? And and for Ty Tucker and the Buckeyes, doubles, they pride themselves on, on playing good doubles. Um, I like the Buckeyes in doubles. I do over Wake Forest. I think they have an advantage there. And, you know, when you've got a guy like Cannon Kingsley, who is playing number two, we've got the master lineups now. We've got McNally number one. We've got Kingsley number two. I'm going to go ahead and pencil Kingsley in over Nava for sure. I mean, that's a guarantee. I, I don't see any way that Nava beats Kingsley. And and look, Nava's a great player. Kingsley's on another level. I think he's the number one guy. I just, I really don't even, I think that should get protested. I would have Kingsley one McNally two, but if you're going to roll that way, which it looks like that's the case, um, to me, that's two points right there for Ohio State. It's going to be tough for Wake. It really is. I mean, J.J. Tracy's lost one match the entire season. That was last weekend to Hunter Heck of Illinois in the championship of the Three Big Ten. sets as well. Three sets as well. He won. He won one of the sets six zero. I mean, yeah. so I mean, he, he was playing pretty well for at least part of that match. Um, you've got guys like Kyle Seelig, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, eighth year, whatever he is now. I don't know. Ninth year, Kyle Seelig. Um, he's been around forever. I, I just, to me, Ohio State is a clear top ten team. I, I've had him in in our top ten. You know, Gruskin. We do the poll every week. I've had Ohio State in there pretty much every single week of the season, maybe with the exception of you know, after they lost to uh, Virginia, you know, on kickoff weekend, I might've had them outside of the top 10, but ever since then, they've been a top 10 team for me. Wake Forest has been knocking on the door of the top 10. I just think it's such a tough matchup for Wake. Um, I'm going with Ohio State. I'm going to pick an upset here as well. I'm going to pick the Ohio State Buckeyes to make the round of 16. See, it's so interesting. Is that the upset or is that the conventional pick? It's so tough well, to say. Yeah, I mean, right. And for me, look, because I'm just saying it's a according to the seating. Because and it's a road match yes. and according to the yes. seating, technically it's an upset. So I'm picking the upset. In my mind, Ohio State is the better team. Sure. So that's that's why I'm, you know, doubles throughout one through six throughout their lineup. Um, I just think they've got guys that can win at certain positions like Cannon Kingsley, like JJ Tracy, like a Kyle Seelig. To me, it just it gives them the edge. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, let's talk about the chicanery because you can't talk about oh, yeah. a Ty Tucker lineup without chicanery. He got McNally in at two, and I'm telling, or at one, and I'm telling all of you right now. Trotter listed at three, Boulay listed at four. I have a source I trust very, very much who says Ty Tucker, under all circumstances, will try to avoid playing them back-to-back in their lineup. One of them always going to get pulled. It's going to end up going C-League four, Tracy five, Cash six, and you look for the Buckeyes. Look, I mean... What, Selig after struggling to start the season, 15-4 and four now in dual matches. He's 8-3 and three at number 4. Tracy, as you mentioned, has just been a stud in any position you play him. He's 21-1 and one overall on the season, 14-1 and one at 5. They're, you know, 16-4 and four at the number 6 singles position. I mean, the numbers are gaudy, uh, gaudy because 19-2, and 18-2, and 17-2 in the top 3. A lot of that's beating up on fellow Big Ten competition. But, I mean, yeah, is this your... 2012-2013 Buckeyes team? Maybe not. But this is a very, very, very good team. A, team. a team more than capable of reaching the quarterfinals of this event. And look, here's just the little things I wanted to note for you, Maddie. Let's play the devil's advocate here. Let's talk about what Wake Forest does well. Very, very quietly, 29-1. and at the number six singles position. Now, we're going to see Banthia here, there, uh, there this weekend. We saw Banthia the last time NCAAs were played, just delivering win after win after win for the Demon Deacons at number six singles. It's now two years later. We've talked about it since the start of the year. You like him there as much as anyone, especially, you know, even against a Robbie Cash. Now, if that's a Tracy matchup, I'm very, very intrigued by that one, folks. But then, you know, you look elsewhere. All right, will you like Tracy at five? I don't know because Melios Estafalu, you want to talk about veteran, but you want to talk about veteran and institutional know-how. Estafalu has played in a national indoor final. Estafalu has played in an NCAA championship. J.J. Tracy is playing in his very first NCAA tournament. These are things worth noting. And after such a struggle to start the season, Estafalu has clearly found his legs, found his rhythm here to end the year. And then, look, Squire McNally, toss-up. I agree with you. You like Kingsley over over Nava, uh, despite how well uh, Nava has played this season. That's just a pick on Cannon Kingsley. And then three and four are three and four. Those are always toss-up. You like C-Lig at four. You probably like Body at three. I mean, bottom of the lineup, there's a world where Wake Forest sweeps them, and if Wake Forest does that, that's how they win the match, right? For Wake Forest to win, if Stofflu and Banthia, who are both capable of winning at five and six, probably have to win at five and six. Yeah, I just don't see it, Gruskin. You're talking about. Let's just assume, right? Mm-hmm. Kyle Seelig, JJ Tracy, Robbie Cash for yeah. Ohio State. They're not getting swept. There is sure. no way Kyle, JJ, and Robbie all—they're not all losing. I'm just telling you, I, I I have such a hard time envisioning that scenario happen. But but, you know, but couldn't Wake take two of three? Isn't that a possibility? And that's ultimately what they need to do. If they sweep the bottom three, they are winning the match. But I think if they take two of three, if you're Coach Bresky, you like Squire over McNally. In your bones, you like that. Then you have to find one more. And maybe it's body over Trotter or whomever. And we've already seen a Wake Forest and Ohio State match come down to a James Trotter affair. But I think if you're Bresky, because I agree with you, doubles, you like the Buckeyes. But one, five, six, and then just pray like heaven to the heavens that you steal one of those middle three, that's the recipe. 
yeah, that would be the recipe. Um, I think easier for <laughs> us to sit here and say it. Easier said true. than done. Um, I, I don't. I don't see it going that way. But yes, if you're going to draw up a recipe, I agree with you, Gruskin. I just, for me, I don't think it's going to happen. But That's, I could be totally wrong. I could be totally no. wrong. I think it's going to be a great match. I do. So, so that's fair. Uh, whether it happens or not, I agree with you. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that pathway for Wake Forest, and it's crazy we're talking about the host school of trying to find a pathway to four, but that pathway plus the fact that it's a home match, I just think that's a very realistic pathway for Wake Forest. Like I, I think at worst this match is 60-40 Ohio State. Yeah, look, if Wake Forest wins this match – I'm not going to be shocked, right? I'm not going to look at it and go, oh my goodness, what an upset. (laughs) I'm not going to look at it that way. I'm just going to go, man, they showed. Wake played their best tennis on their home courts and they earned the win. I will have no problem with that whatsoever. I just just feel like, man, with the doubles point, you've got Cannon Kingsley who doesn't lose. You've got Kyle Seelig who's been around forever. J.J. Tracy doesn't lose. I just... I mean, McNally's played a national championship match. Uh, not just one. He's played multiple national yeah. championship matches as well. Let's be clear. Exactly. You know, that's going to be a good matchup with Squire. You, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going to stick with my pick. I'm rolling with the Buckeyes. But like you said, if Wake Forest wins this match... I. It's not going to surprise me. I will not be shocked at all. Yeah, and for the record, Chris is also going to roll with the Buckeyes. I mean, I have loved this Wake Forest team in my bones since the beginning of last season when they've had all of this depth. and They just have so many options. And again, sometimes in the NCAA tournament, it's not about what you can do right. It's that when things go to how do you get your way out? You know, how do you get out of that situation and... I just think this Wake Forest team, A, a Tony Bresky team always plays their best tennis in May. That's just a fact. And B, it's a home match. Like, we cannot emphasize enough. If this match was in Columbus, I agree with you. You roll Ohio State all the way. I'm going to pick the Buckeyes because if I don't pick them, I'm going to be accused of anti-Ohio Stateness, and I just... I mean, that's never a good guiding factor. I just also think the fact that I, I don't give it just to Squire hands down over McNally. I think John McNally's starting to play some really good tennis, and that win over Kovacevic at the Big Ten Championship certainly indicative of that fact. So I say all of us are going to pick Ohio State, but again, I think it's a 4-3 match at a minimum. Well, this is interesting, Gruskin, because we've talked about two regions, right? And we yeah. both, me and you, we've picked Big Ten teams. Of course. That's interesting. Right, because there's only four Big Ten teams in the entire event. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about the Big Ten Conference all year long. What does that say that we've picked two Big Ten teams to reach the final 16? I don't know. Interesting to say the least. It says we're intellectually consistent, but also probably geographically biased. Which hey, you take it where you take what you can get. But again, all of us picking Ohio State to emerge from that region with those two in the books. A lot of interesting regions to come here now. This is where the real rapid fire begins. I, I'm i not sure how many more upsets you see across the board, but let's go, in my opinion, to the next likely. Virginia versus Stanford. And two years ago, we saw Stanford give this Virginia team 
anything and everything they could ask for in a round of 16 match that started outdoors, ended up going indoors. I believe it was Soderlund clinching over Geller in the end to send the Hoos to the quarterfinals. Of course, Hoos ultimately knocked off by Wake Forest in a fantastic match. And, you know, that Soderlund-Nakashima top two, I think, will age very, very well in college tennis history. But, I mean, you look at this Stanford roster, I don't even know where to begin. Because, of course, coming into the season, you and Maddie convinced me that this was the team to watch out for. That even though our Power 5 was completely off, Stanford was going to be the one that pushes all of those Power 5 teams. And with their youth and, you know, the amount of talent, the depth they have come the end of the season, no one was going to want to face Stanford before the quarterfinals. Well, now a top 16 seed is going to face Stanford in the opening weekend. And you look for the Cardinal 10-5 and on the year. Losses to UCLA, USC, TCU, uh, Arizona State, and then at Oregon. And that's the one, of course, that is the head scratcher. And it was one that happened, you know, just midway through April. And you look at this roster, they only played 15 matches, you know, doubles-wise, singles-wise. It's tough to say who should or shouldn't be playing. You look at the master lineup, Rothstart down to number four. It's uh, Geller, Ferry, and then Tristan Boyer, top three now. A guy like Rajesh, we haven't really seen uh, much of him. Uh, you know, Sridhar, we haven't really seen much of as well. It's just got a lot of options. There's just so much unknown about this Stanford team versus a Virginia team that's just so young. And we still, you know, Soderlin at the top, of course we know what we're going to get from him. But the Doc and Rodesh and Inyaki Montez, they've been clutch all season long. But it is postseason time, and you never know that effect. Now, of course, you look at this region, Maddie, uh, Virginia and Stanford, prohibitive favorites in their first matches over Fairleigh Dickinson and LSU, respectfully. Your thoughts on this region, your thoughts on just a head-scratching year for the Cardinal. Yeah, so first round, I'm going to take Virginia and Stanford to get through and, sure. and meet in the round of 32. That goes without saying for me. Everything that I said, Gruskin, about Stanford, I think at the beginning or preseason kind of has to go out the window just a little bit, right? Because yeah. I was under the assumption that they were going to play a full season, right? Sure. I mean, I we didn't know that they were going to join at the end of March or whatever mm-hmm. it was and only play 15 dual matches. Like, that's why I just think it's, it's tough. And I do – I still like the team. I just think for them this season, it all kind of went out of whack when they couldn't play. They didn't play any non-conference. Well, they played a couple non-conference matches, but primarily just some Pac-12 teams. Um, So the teams are similar though, right? They both rely on freshmen. You have guys at the top in Carl Soderlund and Axel Geller that are veterans that have been around for a while that are the leaders of their respective squads. I think these two teams have a lot of similarities and it's interesting to me that they're going to match up potentially on the first weekend of the tournament. For me, the difference is UVA has played this entire season, right? Mm -hmm. They've done it from January. It started at the kickoff weekend. They went into Columbus. They beat Ohio state. They have not slowed down, right? They've gone all the way through this season They win the ACC regular season. They win the ACC tournament. I like what they've done throughout the entire season. I really do. And so for for that reason, guys like Dr. Vaughn and Soderlund and Monte, I mean, you've mentioned all these guys. Gianni Ross now is playing even better Mm -hmm. than he has in a long time. He's starting to feel it. You know, Ryan Getz is going to be at the number five position. Suits him well. He plays well down there. 
I'm picking Virginia over Stanford to make Orlando. They're at home. Stanford is dangerous. Don't get me wrong. I could see this being like a 4-2 maybe type of match. Virginia 4-2. But overall, I like them better in doubles. And I, I just think with all of the tests, the battles that they've gone through throughout this season, that's going to bode well for them in this match in the postseason. I'm taking the Wahoos. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, Arthur Ferry and Alex Rothsart, 7-0 and at number three doubles for Stanford. They're going to take on the Doc and Montez, and you look for Von der Schulenberg and Montez. They're 12-3 and on the season at number three doubles. That's a heck of a matchup. And for Virginia, you know, it's been Getz, Rodash, Montez, and Von der Schulenberg at two and three doubles getting the job done. But you don't feel bad about Soderlin and Woodall heading into every match. And then, you know, as you mentioned, top to bottom for them. Soderlin's delivered the goods. He's 12-2 and this season at the number one position. Von der Schulenberg, Montez, Rodesh combined for an 18-4 and and 16-4 and record at those three and four singles positions. And of course, Coach Pedroso, a little chicanery of himself, tried to throw Rodesh in at that number two singles position. The other coaches said, no, 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 no. And you can understand why. Von der Schulenberg, 16-4 and this season. Uh, again, him, Monday, Strom, those are your three best freshmen of the year. Of course, J.J. Tracy certainly belongs in that conversation. Conversation, but those were the guys he's been outstanding. Rodesh, 14 and 6 this season. That was probably the unexpected bump for the Who's. And then, of course, Inyaki Montez, 15 and 4. The freshmen have all delivered. But it's so funny, Maddie, because via UTR, Stanford's got the higher power six. They're an 80.04, Virginia 79.84. And again, like if you saw Kulazinski or Sridhar, or Tim Sa. I mean, it has primarily been Tim Sa at the number five position for them, and they've seen a lot of Jenison at six as well. And when you put those guys into the lineup, you know, Stanford's power six does dip below Virginia's, but on paper, it's still a toss-up. And again, Von der Schulenberg versus Ferry, Rodash versus Boyer, I love those matches. Montez, Rothstart, that's an interesting one as well. And then, you know, Geller, Soderlund, if they're both playing their best, that's a pick em, certainly. I guess let's get to it. Give me your pick. What do you see the match calculus? Yeah, no, I already said. I'm going Virginia here. I'm, I'm taking the who's at home. I, I feel confident about that. I know on paper it looks close. And it can be a very close match. I wouldn't be shocked at all if this is a 4-2 a Maybe even potentially 4-3, but I don't even know if it goes 4-3, Gruskin. I don't know. I'm going to say 4-2 for for UVA. I just think I'm looking not on paper so much, but what I've seen over the course of this entire season, right? Mm -hmm. I'm talking about full body of work, guys that are playing well, and guys that may not be playing so well. I just – I'm pretty pretty confident in this Virginia pick. I I really am – I would be more shocked, put it this way, Gruskin, if Stanford beats Virginia, I'll be more shocked if that happens than if Wake Forest beats Ohio State Yeah, by, by quite a bit. No, I quite a bit is maybe a stretch for me just because I, mean, I don't know how good Stanford is. Like, is there a world where Stanford turns out to be the best team in the country over the next two weeks? I don't no. think so. No. I think there's a greater than 0% chance. There's not. There's not. I mean, we look, we do have 15. We have 15 dual matches. We do have a bit of a sample size sure. here, Bruskin. Sure. They're not just going to turn it around. Now, it's not flip of a switch right mm-hmm. now. As They're much just as, too young to flip the switch. 
that's part of it as well. That's mm-hmm. also part of it as well. If this was a veteran lace team where you didn't have any freshmen in the lineup that you're relying mm-hmm. on, they're going to be relying on several freshmen here. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, they're not going to be able to flip a switch. Um, I do not see this team as much as I liked them preseason. It didn't go the way that we thought it would for them for, you know, a lot of extenuating circumstances. That's beside the point from what we've seen. Um, I, I cannot pick the Cardinal here. It's fair. I, I need to pick an upset somewhere. The problem is we've gone to three regions where I'm. Well, you deeply... picked Michigan. Yeah, but again, that I'm always going to pick Michigan, so that one doesn't count. <sighs> Should I go back and take Wake Forest over Ohio State just to do it? No, because Wake I Forest genuinely is think... the seeded team. <laughs> I know, but I just I genuinely just want to disagree with you. It's like I hate that we're just being so agreeable because that means we're missing something. And again, I think the upside of the Stanford team if they win this match. It will be more shocking than Wake Forest, but it's not going to shock. Oh, actually, it might because this Virginia team's been that good. They've only lost twice. You're right. Haven't lost since Illinois. I'm overthinking this. Give me They're the dog. Home. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you. Give me Virginia. We've seen this match play out. I do think it's going to be very close, like 4-2, even 4-3. That is that going to surprise you if it's like a late fifth set and, you know, it's Montez versus Boyer to decide it and just, you know, Montez has been in that situation a couple more times. Or not Montez, excuse me, like a Rodesh, Boyer, or whatever it may be. Yeah, I'll roll with Virginia. I know Chris is rolling with Virginia as well, and I've said it from the get-go. That's like the least enthusiastic I've ever been about my who's. Who's are back, baby? Uh, and obviously, I'm very excited for that match. But this Virginia team, they might not just win this region. They might win the national championship, and we'll get back to that certainly over the course of the next two weeks. Again, moving through the regions now, I listed these in terms of the ones I'm most interested in, the ones I think are closest to upset. I'm going to go to South Carolina now where South Carolina takes on an NC State team that maybe at the beginning of this season you would have thought would be one of the top 16 seeds, would be a host side and be a team that can make some noise come the postseason, of course, for the uh, the uh, Wolfpack. Excuse me. So many things went right for them during the 2020 season. This season hasn't quite been the case. They're 11-8 and eight overall on the year. They, you know, lost uh, a bunch of matches down the home, or they had, you know, a bunch of COVID struggles down the home stretch, and then, you know, end up beating Florida State, but losing 4-0 to Virginia in ACCs. And, you know, again, they're going to match up against the South Carolina team that played their best tennis at the SEC tournament, ended up making the semifinals of that event. And, you know, in Daniel Rodriguez has a guy who has clearly made a jump this season and has been one of the 20 best players, uh, you know, perhaps in college tennis. And, you know, they just have a lot of different pathways, right? With Samuel, with Lambling, with Thompson, those guys have stepped up in the middle of their lineup it's been the opposite for North Carolina State. They've struggled, you know, I, for them, they're so dependent. We need doubles, we need Alexi, and then we just kind of scrap our way to two more points. That, of course, is always the recipe. And, you know, look, I still like Lexi over Rodriguez. I don't care what the rankings say. I don't think that's a hot take by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know. I I mean, South Carolina probably should have beaten UNC earlier this season. They've got answers throughout their lineup via Power 6 UTR. They're point six favorite, and you look for them, they are favored at the two through five singles positions, all by over point one five UTR points. You lean in South Carolina here, or you like potential upset, any sniff? No, I, I, I'm not. And, and for the record, I am taking South Carolina over UNCW, and I'm taking NC State over Florida Gulf Coast. So... Oh, 
I just I don't sniff an upset here, Gruskin. I just haven't been impressed with NC State. There's going to be one, though. It's got to happen. Some, I know there, there's going to be more than one. Excuse me. If Michigan's the first one, where's the second one coming? This is one I sniff around. We'll get to the Mississippi region in a second, but I think it's going to be either the South Carolina region with NC State or Ole Miss getting tripped up by Middle Tennessee or Tulane, and I just can't put my finger on which one to pick. I can <laughs> and it's 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 not going to be this one. I, I'm okay. I'm very confident South Carolina can win this match. NC State for me just they don't have enough. I, mm-hmm. I think South Carolina they they took out Georgia in the SEC tournament. They've played that tough tough SEC schedule and done very well. I, I just think NC State's missed matches and and they've canceled matches and. I, I went to an NC State match against Wake Forest recently over the past couple of weeks, Gruskin, and I just – I wasn't impressed. The team just did not seem to be gelling in any sort of form or fashion. You know, I do like Lexi at one. Uh, you know, he's playing Rodriguez, but I, I still like Lexi there. I'll, I'll give you that. But, you know, I'm not confident that they're for sure going to win the doubles point against South Carolina. I can't say that for a fact. That might be a toss-up. And then, you know, again, two through six, I, I like South Carolina. The the guy for NC State, Robin Catry's probably had the best season for them. He's going to be slotted at the number five position. I think he could definitely win. Um, that would not surprise me. But you look at court two, you look at court three and court four. I mean, I just, I lean fairly heavily towards South Carolina, Um I think they're going to get it done. I, I, I'm not calling upset alert here. I will take the Gamecocks. I think it's toss-ups and doubles. Rodriguez Thompson, 13-7 and seven for the Gamecocks. Samuel Beasley, 9-3 and three at 2. And then they're 10-9 and nine overall with a couple different teams at 3 doubles. And then, I mean, look, Rodriguez at 1. Uh, and then at number 4 singles, it's been Toby Samuel. Those have been the two who have delivered points consistently for the Gamecocks this season. Everywhere else, they're playing about 500 ball, and that's a pretty similar statement you could say about NC State. And so the fact that Rodriguez has been such a pillar of success for South Carolina concerns me that he could very well lose this match. And what does that do for everyone else on the roster? Meanwhile, for NC State, they are the epitome of a veteran team. They are the epitome of a team that can be like, you know what? Who cares about the regular season? We've got Alexi for two more weeks. Let's milk it for all we've got. I like South Carolina. I know an upset's going to happen, though. I'm picking NC State in this one. And again, I just think it's, I, I just, they haven't played their best tennis, period, all season long. And like if they don't in May, and I was just wrong about this team coming into the year, that's fine. Happens to the best of us. There's always a couple teams you're wrong about. But I just think this NC State has been more than what team is more than what we've seen. And so that's why I'm going to pick them. Again, there's always an upset, as we've discussed, right, Maddie? And I think this is the upset, and I think this is where it's going to happen. So give me the Wolf Pack. Uh, but again, if South Carolina does win, that's not going to shock me. And of course, worth noting, both you and Chris have taken South Carolina. But I don't know. Any response to that rant before we move to the next region? No, good luck. Uh, I'm I'm glad I'm glad you picked the Wolf Pack. Let's see how it shakes out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, then with that in mind, let's get to that other half. I think if another upset's going to come, Middle Tennessee and Tulane were both very very good this season. And you know, you look at this Ole Miss team. I was joking around texting with the coach. Ole Miss can either win, look like they're going to win the national championship, 
or they could look like they have no place in the NCAA tournament. That's how hot and cold this team can be. And look, in Reynolds, in San Cullen, you know exactly what you're getting at the top of the lineup. You know exactly what you're getting at number one doubles everywhere else. Your guess is as good as mine. Does the Junkinator, Simon Junk, who at times looks like the best player in the country. At other times, you're like, what's this guy doing? How does he do in the lineup? A bunch of questions for them versus, again, Middle Tennessee and Tulane have just been rock solid this season. And, you know, again, I... I'm trying to think. When, did Tulane make the round of 16 recently? I, I don't think they did. I think they lost round of 32. I know they beat Dartmouth. I think they lost to UNC. That was the cope for teams. And, you know, obviously they had a ton of talent then. I don't know. Upset alert. I, I've loved this Mississippi State team since I saw them play opening weekend. Or Mississippi State, excuse me, this Ole Miss team. I, you know, the non-running Rebels, the jogging Rebels have been one of my pet projects. But Middle Tennessee and Tulane are awfully good, Maddie. Your thoughts? Yeah, this is this is total upset. Sneakily, alert one of the best round of sixty-four matches is Middle Tennessee Tulane. Oh, there's no question. And I was wrestling with this one for so long because mm-hmm. I think these teams are so evenly matched. That's probably going to be a four-three no matter what. Tulane and Middle Tennessee. I've come to the decision. I've made my choice, and I'm going to pick Tulane over Ooh. Middle Tennessee. I think it's going to be tight. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be like a four-three match, but. My confidence in guys like Stewart and Moore and Erlenbush at the top of the lineup, top three for Tulane, I like it. I like it a lot, and I'm confident in those guys. I think they find a way to get it done over over Middle Tennessee. Ole Miss, I think, is going to beat Belmont for sure. So that sets up Ole Miss and Tulane for a spot in the round of 16. This, I think, is also going to be an extremely tight match. 4-3 type of a deal. Ole Miss is a tough place to play. If mm-hmm. if Chris was on here with us right now, he can speak to that. He knows that Ole Miss is not an easy place to play. But. Yes. I'm going to go Tulane. Yeah, I'm going to go Tulane. I am. For You know, you took NC State over South Carolina, Gruskin. I'm not as confident in that one. Tulane, to me, is a team that can do it. Like you said, Ole Miss is so up and down the lower part of their lineup. I don't trust it. You know, I it just, to me, this is prime for an upset. And I, I think Tulane is good enough. They haven't played an easy schedule this year. They've had a difficult schedule, you know, so they've lost some matches. Otherwise, you know, their record might even look a little bit better. Um, I'm going to go Tulane here. Yeah, I think that's an excellent pick. And, you know, again, by UTR, it's two teams pretty even. Uh, Tulane, Power 6, 77.01. Mississippi, 77.69. It's about a point one difference, you would say, about across the six singles flights. And that is about what it adds up to be. Now, Mississippi State is favored in five of the six. And, Ole you know, Miss. Oh, I've missed. Thank you. I keep doing that. Ole Miss is favored. The, I, can I just call them the Joggin' Rebels? Uh, that's just the easiest way for me to remember them. The Joggin' Rebels are favored in five of the six. And I've watched Mississippi play doubles. That's as good of a doubles point as you'll see. They are always in the mix. And, you know, I think they can very much and need to and should take the doubles point over Tulane. But you look at this Tulane team, 14-7. and seven. You know, they beat LSU, played Alabama, Mississippi State really tight. They beat Florida State. They beat Miami. They, you know, a lot of success throughout the year in their conference. I think their only loss was at UCF. And yeah, they lost to SMU in the conference championship. But this team, it's just a tough out straight up. And again, they're going to be very competitive at all of their flights. Now, I, I again, 
20, that 2018 tournament, we were there, right? And we saw that year Mississippi State go on the road, beat Stanford, make the round of 16. And it does feel like uh, this Mississippi team always peaks come May. And so I just, the institutional know-how, San Colin Reynolds, in a season of uncertainty, I like them. And I just like that I know more about this Ole Miss team, the known quantity. I'm going to roll with the Joggin' Rebels, but... I respect your upset pick. I mean, Tulane can absolutely get him at all six singles flights, right? Like, more, their top two, more Stewart. That's a really good top two. Yeah, ex- exactly. That's a really good top two. So, so for Reynolds and Sand Colin, don't just pencil them in, man. Don't no, you're just, right. You're right. Yeah. Don't just pencil those in. So, you know, with that being said, if you're not just going to pencil those two in, that kind of leads me to believe yeah. if Tulane can win one of those top two, let's mm-hmm. split them. Ah, you look then three through six. I mean, I think it's I think it's prime for an upset. So no. I, I feel okay about it. I mean, look, Ole Miss can easily win the match. They play in the SEC. This team, you know, they've gone through. It's a home match too. It's a home match. That's not going to shock anybody. But, you know, I, I'm going to stick with the upset pick here. No, it's a, again, it's a very good pick, and I would point again to the fact that uh, I've just been on this Ole Miss team since the beginning of the season. You know that, obviously, as I talk about them all the time on the podcast. I'm going to stay consistent here, pick Ole Miss. Chris has Ole Miss as well. He's never going to pick against the SEC, so that's not going to surprise anyone. Uh, but again, that is certainly a region where upsets could be felt. And, you know, I feel like we've hit all of the major regions, so now we're just going to rapid fire here down the home stretch. We're just going to go one by one through the other regions we haven't discussed, Maddie, and I just want straight up your reaction to the matches, your picks for the result. We're going to start, again, top seed Florida, host South Alabama. Winner of that match plays the winner of Duke South Florida. I've got Florida advancing. I think they're going to do it comfortably. What say you? I agree with you there, Groskin. Florida over South Alabama. Now, the Duke-South Florida match. Delightful. Very, very good first-round match. That one I cannot wait to tune in there. When the draw first came out, I was leaning USF. I really was. But... After thinking about it a little bit more, and I don't know if this is my bias coming in here, but but I have switched my pick. I'm going to take the Duke Blue Devils in the first round to beat South Florida. Look, they've got three lefties in the lineup. Andrew Zhang, Luca Keist, um, Andrew Dale as a freshman has played very good. My guy, Sean Scully there, Garrett Johns. I mean, the more that I think about it, I just think this is a match that Duke, they should win. I, I mean, on paper, it, it's dead even, right? You look at this, and it's such a juicy matchup. But mm-hmm. then you're Duke. You play in the ACC. Go win this match, okay? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. Go win the match. I'm picking Duke, but then, you know, the run comes to an end. I'll take Florida over Duke uh, <laughs> fair, fairly easily there. Yeah, look, this South Florida team scared Florida early in the season, and I kind of would love to see them scare Florida once again. And you know Coach Ashley Fisher is going to have his guys ready to rock and roll. And, yeah, I think that match is really good. It's played in the Florida Heat, so certainly you like that for South Florida independent of information you give me, and I want to make that clear because obviously you have ties to the Duke program, but independent of anything I've heard from you, you just hear rumblings about Duke because with all of the resources they have available to them, they should be a top 15 team, and they should be a top 15 team routinely. And you look at some of the young talent, John, Zhang, and you know all the guys you have mentioned as well, Andrew Dale, 
pieces are starting to look like they're being put together. But again, respectfully, these past five years for Coach Ramsey Smith, underwhelming is an understatement. Duke should be better than this. They need to win this match. I'm not just saying they should. I'm going to say they need to win it because just respectfully, they've underperformed, Maddie. I, look, I agree with everything you just said there, Gruskin. I, I'm not going to go any further in depth. That's a conversation. <laughs> yeah. for we can a leave that day. there. Yeah, we, we can, can leave, leave that there. But ditto to what yeah. you just said. Perfect. I'm, I'm with you. Yep, we can leave that there. But I agree. That's a conversation for another time. Florida advancing out of that region. Illinois, next region. I'm going to be there, by the way, starting tomorrow. If it rains, you're going to hear me on the call. If it doesn't, you're going to see my tweets on Twitter. Illinois taking on DePaul. Western Michigan taking on Notre Dame. That Western-Notre Dame match, sneaky upset alert potential. Notre Dame's found their rhythm, but Western's damn good this season. We both think the Illini advance. Who wins that match, though? Yeah, so I <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to pick Western Michigan so bad here over Notre Dame. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stick with Notre Dame. I I think they get it done. You mentioned you know they're starting to play a little bit better. Just you know guys at the top, Siamara, Axel Neff. I know I know that's not how you pronounce his name, but I don't Neve. care. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. I, I call him <laughs> I call him what I want to call the him. The Neff okay? boy. I love um, it. Right. Um, Tristan McCormick, William Howells, I saw was in the master lineup. I don't know if he's going to play, but if he does, I think that bodes well for, for the Irish. Um, so I'm going to take Notre Dame in a close one over Western Michigan, but I think Illinois advances easily over DePaul and Notre Dame. Um, you know, this, this should be straightforward for the Illini. Yeah, I'm really excited to seeing this Western for seeing this Western team play because they've been very good for a very long time over in Kalamazoo, and we don't talk about them as frequently as we should, but that's one of those programs that are the backbone of college tennis that are offering kids not just here in the States, but from across the globe the opportunity to compete, and they continue to find success. I'll take Western to win that match, sure. Uh, but yeah, Illinois wins the region. Why not? Um, overall, though, that's going to be a fun one. Again, here we we keep moving down the draw. UCF playing host to Monmouth first, then the winner of that going to play Miss- Miami, Mississippi State. Now, it's going to surprise no one to learn that Chris Helios has taken the upset. He's riding with his Bulldogs. He'll take Mississippi State. I'm taking Central Florida. I cannot wait to see Coach Roddick's team compete at the national level. I, like... Even if, you know, they win this weekend and hopefully they, I I really hope they make it to the Sweet 16 because I want to know how good this team is. Yeah, I agree with you there, Gruskin. I'm taking UCF over Mississippi State. I will give Chris, I'm going to take his Bulldogs over Miami in the the first round. Miami, to me, was a a sneaky team that I thought was going to be better this year in the ACC. I feel like they underperformed a little bit. Um, so I'm going to take the Bulldogs in that first round, but UCF, man, I mean, they play really good doubles. You've yeah. got DeCamps and Mizuchi playing yeah. two doubles, playing yeah. two doubles. That's a number one doubles team. That team was ranked in the top 10 last year. Now they're playing two doubles. That is a luxury. Most teams would kill to have those guys playing number one doubles for them. So I love Love UCF in doubles and just in singles. Look, I mean, we go up and down the lineup. Trey Hildebrand and Mizuchi and DeCamps and Rubio and all of these guys. Kento Yamada came in from Kentucky and has been very good. I like Central Florida. And and like you mentioned, I want to see them perform in the final 16. Let's see what they're made of when it really counts. 
Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. And so, again, we both have UCF. Chris going to have Mississippi State. You look at the bottom of this first quarter, uh, first fourth, I suppose. Texas A&M playing host to New Mexico. Winner of that could take on Oklahoma and Denver. I imagine we both have A&M moving on as well. That's right. Uh, I think this was actually a very good region for Texas A&M. I, I mean, New, Mex- New Mexico, Denver, Oklahoma. I have A&M as a prohibitive favorite over all three of those schools, but I'm going to take Oklahoma over Denver in the first round. That's a sneaky good match. Mm-hmm. Denver's a good team. I will take the Sooners, though, um, but then A&M rolls. No, I agree with you. That's a pretty fair way to put it. And again, an A&M team clicking on all cylinders. I would love to see them play UCF just because I think UCF has the gumption up top, the gumption, the talent up top to hang with them. And then that match just becomes interesting down the line. But I agree with you. A&M comfortable. They played this earlier this season, by the way, Gruskin. I believe and A&M beat A&M lost. A&M, no, beat A&M, no, they beat A&M, him, right? Yeah. But it was 4-3. It, yeah. was, it came right down to the end. Very, very good match. So I, I totally, I would I would love a rematch there. Absolutely. And then, okay, with that in mind, let's move on to some of the regions we haven't hit yet. Again, USC hosting Grand Canyon, then playing the winner of Pepperdine, Santa Barbara. Yes, Pepperdine beat the Trojans earlier this season, but it was out the kooky monster without Dostanich. My first run through, I texted this to you and Chris. It was my semifinals on the left side of the draw. Was Illinois going to take on USC? I thought the Trojans looked excellent in the Pac-12 tournament. We know what they're capable of. We'll get to their national aspirations, I'm sure, next weekend. I will be shocked if they struggle at all this weekend. Yeah, I mean, Pepperdine... No, they're good. They're good. They're good. They can pose some problems, Mm -hmm. but I agree with you. I think the Trojans get it done. I have them over Grand Canyon, and then I'm taking Pepperdine over Santa Barbara in the first round. And then I'll take USC over Pepperdine to make the round of 16. Pepperdine, look, they have, they're getting healthier. I think they have a healthier lineup now Mm -hmm. than they had at the beginning of the season. They have the ability to pose some problems, but I, I, I don't, I don't sniff an upset here. I do think the Trojans will come out relatively easily. I think that's fair. I think it's a pretty good summary there. Um, But I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. And I know I have Coach Macy on my left shoulder like the devil in some of those cartoons. But he keeps yapping in my ear. And the eye test confirmed what he's been saying. They're playing their best tennis now, finally. And no, there's no no more Bullis. But bottom six, you know, bottom three uh, in uh, Fry, who's playing really, really well, in uh, Westrate, Westrate, and Sans. They're just good. They're just good. They just are. And I, I'm again, doubles point needs some some work. But when you've got Kukerman and Smith at the top, and Destanich and Fry having one loss at number two, does the doubles point need work? Like that's that's the sneaky thing. Again, we'll we'll get to them more next week. USC, I think, advances over Pepperdine. <coughs> Excuse me. There, where? Hold on. I gotta get this out of my. Huh. All right. Leave it in, West. West, <laughs> sure. Leave it in. Stokoyak never calls for anything. We're leaving that in. Anyways, let's move on to our next region. Apologies, listeners. Texas, number four seed. They've got Northern Arizona. Winners uh, plays the winner of UCLA Northwestern. Of course, UCLA without Keegan Smith Northwestern. Now with Steve Foreman. That match is fascinating. Your thoughts on this region? Yeah, this, this is an interesting one. So... 
obviously I'm going to take Texas over Northern Arizona in the first round. That goes without saying. UCLA Northwestern, I cannot wait to tune into that one. Sneaky good match here, but no Keegan Smith for UCLA is such a big loss. Yeah. Singles, doubles, you're talking about their best. It's everything. It's play. everything. It's everything. NC State without Alexi. Right. I mean, it's just not the same team. I'm going with Northwestern here with a healthy Steve Foreman. I, I like him. I, I, I do. I do, too. I, Northwestern, you look at them top to bottom. I mean, they're going to have a couple guys that aren't even in the top six playing that are very good. Yeah. I just, I like, I like this Northwestern team. I like them enough to beat UCLA in mm-hmm. the first round. Yeah, no, I look, don't. I don't like them enough to beat Texas. No, I'm, te- of I'm sticking not. with the Longhorns. They're at home. They've had such a good season. Northwestern isn't isn't at that level, but they're. I mean, they're definitely good enough to win this first match over UCLA. No question. Yeah, it's one of your matches of the opening round, and you know Brooks and Broth on that number one doubles, they can beat anyone. And you know yep. you start to look up and down their lineups. Their they're Dominic Starry at two is is not a match to be trifled with. He's probably the favorite over Baird in that match. And then, you know, Foreman Nanda, that's a really good one. Six singles has been a struggle for the Bruins the entire time. And I know he's a little, I'm not going to say anything out loud about what I do or don't know about Northwestern, but I'm just going to say they're very good at the bottom of the lineup. And so, uh, yeah, that's one, two circle, but ultimately Texas. Yeah. I'm very excited to see them in the round of 16, and they've played so many 4-3 matches uh, that, you know, you kind of like them if things get close, if things get chaotic, because they've been there before, despite their youth. But again, we agree on that. Texas advancing, only a couple of regions left here to go. Tennessee, host of Alabama A&M, and then plays the winner of Memphis and Georgia Tech. Rocky top, go Vols, right? 4-0-4-0. Yeah, I mean, I... I think so. Yeah. I do. I, I think this one's pretty straightforward for the Vols. SEC champs, I you know. They're playing well. T- they're playing well right now. But the Memphis-Georgia Tech first round match. It's a good one. Is a good one. And again, I was wrestling with this a little bit. I'm going to pick Georgia Tech, though. I'm going to take the Jackets. ACC schedule. I, guys like Marcus McDaniel mm-hmm. and Andre Smart at the time. Mm-hmm. I just... I think they're 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 a little bit better and Memphis can sneak up on teams. They've done it before. So it wouldn't shock me if if Memphis won this match, but I'll take the jackets but but yeah, Tennessee rolls. Yeah. And McDaniel can beat Walton at one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sure. You're you're correct. I shouldn't have just said blanket 4040, but Tennessee's good, man. Like we already know that, but they are freaking good, and I expect them to look the part here this weekend. Uh, in terms of your other seeds here, we already talked about the Kentucky region, but Georgia hosts ETSU. They'll play the winner of Virginia Tech, Texas Tech. I think this is the softest region proportionally to the host seed. Georgia, it, like if you swap Georgia out with Michigan. That might make a little more sense to me that this was the region. Or even, how about you switch Georgia with Ohio State? Like, to me, that would make perhaps the most sense of any arrangement you could have. And yet, it is pretty safe to say outside of the SEC tournament that the Bulldogs were playing their best tennis down the home stretch of the season. You look at the talent on that Georgia roster, probably still a year or two away from really being national championship contenders. But they should advance out of this region pretty comfortably. 
I agree. I, I have Georgia for sure. They're going to beat ETSU in the first round. Now, the Virginia Tech-Texas Tech match, mm-hmm. I think, is an interesting one. Again, we're talking about first-round juicy matchups. I went back and forth, but I'm going to stay Big 12 here. I'm going to take Texas Tech over Virginia Tech in the first round. But, yeah, I mean, they're not going to have enough for Georgia. Bride, Zink, Henning, Kreuter, Billy Rowe, Gravelli. I mean, you just go up and down. I, they've got too much. I'll take Georgia over Texas Tech to advance to Orlando. Yeah, I, again, it though that's a good match, but I do think Georgia just has a little too much for either of those teams. Uh, so give me Georgia as well, and I'll take the Red Raiders also to knock off Virginia Tech. You know, if you really want to get spicy, this would be the manifestation of the Oklahoma State's actually really good this season theory, and you're going to pick them to beat North Carolina. The flip side of that, could North Carolina have drawn a better region to find their rhythm over the course of the opening weekend and heading into the Sweet 16? I would argue no. They play Presbyterian, then the winner of Navy and Oklahoma State. Give me the heels who are finally allegedly healthy. And I actually just, I really want to see them flex their muscles here this opening weekend. I know you're monitoring Blumberg, but no more of that. Show me what you've got. Remind everyone around the country who won the national indoors, right? Yeah, well, you know what's interesting, Gruskin, is Oklahoma State has a number one player in Mate Vassal, who Mm -hmm. is really, really good. Mm -hmm. So for Will, if Will's going to play in that match, ooh, I mean, that's a tough one. That's a straight shot. That is a straight shot, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, and I will take Oklahoma State over Navy. Obviously, I'm taking North Carolina over Presbyterian. I, I, it's the depth is too much for the heels. I, I do think they advance comfortably, but. That number one matchup, just for college tennis fans in general, Blumberg, Vassal, that could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it, it should be a really good match. And I just, what do Rinky, what do Will, what do all these guys look like for Carolina? It's so much uh, surrounding them. You're going to see my answers on a tennis recruiting roundtable uh, tomorrow. But I was asked to make a pick for the national championship. And I said, look, on paper, you know, doubles, Blumberg, Cernok, and one of Rinky and Ben is still my favorite pathway to four of any team in the nation. And I also made the point about the Baylor, about how the most things can go wrong, how they can find the most path to four. But just straight up, winning four points, that's still my favorite. Now, we haven't seen them do it in months, but they, they absolutely can. And so, again, it'll be interesting to watch them uh, here in the opening weekend of play. Only two regions to go now. TCU, host of Arkansas, and then the winner plays winner of Wichita State, Arizona State. That's a sneaky loaded region because all of those teams really, really good. I've got the Horned Frogs advancing, but they're going to get tested for sure. Yeah, I do as well. I'm taking TCU, but look, that first round against Arkansas, an SEC team that's beaten some of the top teams, they beat Texas A&M. They beat Tennessee. Arkansas knows how to pull off an upset. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of a dangerous matchup. If you're the Horned Frogs, you're looking at that going, oh, wow, okay, we got to play them right out of the box. That's not easy. They beat Tennessee a few weeks ago, right? Right, exactly. And then I do have ASU over Wichita State. I think that could be a good match. I'm going to roll with the Sun Devils. And again, if it is TCU and Arizona State for a spot in the round of 16, that could be a fun match. I At the end of the day, though, I've seen TCU this year over and over and over again. They're a really good team. They really are. They're a very, very good team. They're at home. 
I'm I'm taking them. There's no yeah. way I'm not taking TCU, but we'll see if they get tested a little bit because I think they could. No, look, Arizona State was supposed to play TCU earlier in the season. That match ultimately got canceled, but we've seen what Arizona State can do. They're coming off of their best run of the season, making that Pac-12 championship uh, match. And look, Ponwith at one, uh, Mackey at two, and just McKinnon at four, all of their, they've got options top to bottom of their lineup. And yeah, I think they also do push TCU. I'm really interested to watch that pond with gray match i think that's a really really fun one at number one singles but the depth for tcu just a little bit too much i expect them to advance in the end uh, and then you talk about drawing a first round sec opponent uh you know oregon alabama is the other half of the baylor region is baylor going to take on a&m corpus christi they may have played a&m corpus christi 12 times already this season have they, you can correct me if i'm wrong but certainly a lot of history i feel like between these two programs and so they'll know each other well now I've said it before, I'll say it again, a person who will remain nameless within the college tennis world, a prominent person said to me, I think Baylor can make the quarterfinals left-handed, and I have to say, you look at this draw right now, tough to disagree with them, Matty, I obviously think the Bears are going to roll this weekend, what say you? I hope so. And I think (laughs) they, look, I think they can, but you have to take it one match at a time. I guarantee you they're not going to look ahead to the second match or the third match. Just focus on Corpus Christi. They haven't played them this year, but they won their conference, right? I mean, they're going to be a solid team, um, you know, with some good players. So I think they get through that. Alabama, Oregon, that one's going to be interesting. Again, that's another first round matchup that could come right down to the end. I I think it could be a 4-3. After going back and forth, I'm going to take Alabama. I'm going to take the SEC over the Pac-12 here and give me the Crimson Tide over the Ducks, but barely. And that could easily go the other way. Oregon could win this match. I just have a feeling Alabama is going to find a way to get it done. They're going to roll out like six seniors in their lineup, <laughs> you know. So I just I think that helps um, in this situation. But yeah, if it's Baylor and Bama in the second round, I just. Baylor's just too good uh, up and down the lineup. Um, if they show up, they play their best tennis, they'll win that. So I, I've got Baylor relatively easily, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, again, it's, I, I, I do think Alabama will, you know, Alabama lucky to get into this event at all. And certainly them in Arkansas, they'll look at their first rounds and just say, who cares? We made it into the NCAA tournament. That was the victory for us. But man, I, I did a deep dive into the numbers behind Baylor. I went back and looked at some of the results, how they won or lost the matches they played, and you just look top to bottom. They could have won every match they played this season. And, like, I know you can say that about a bunch of teams at the top, but you can really say that about the Baylor Bears, and I would be scared of them. They are the team with the most pathways to four points in any given match. Boytown, so, you know, outside of the number three singles position, literally one position you like them in every flight they play, and that's why they're so scary uh, of an opponent. That's why a lot of people are going to be picking them to win national championships, uh, but certainly we are all three of us picking them to advance to the round of 16, and with that in mind, that's your rundown of this opening weekend. We've hit all 16 regions, talked about all of the matches, made a ton of picks. Of course, you can find all of these picks online. We'll be sure to get them out there so you can hold us accountable. Of course, we will obviously be back next week to both recap all of the action, preview the Sweet 16 and everything that's happening for the rest of this college tennis season. Worth noting again, I will be joined by Colette Lewis to do a similar women's version of this. Now, can I 
convince her to go through all 16 regions? Probably not as easily as I can with Maddie, but certainly we will break down all of the action you all can expect this weekend. And again, if you have missed out on any coverage of the college tennis season, we're going to have Riley Smith on the podcast here on Friday. We had uh, Tim Russell on the Cracked Interviews podcast early in the week. I feel like we've covered this championship, this college tennis home stretch from every angle, but if you've missed any of it, you can catch up on everything by going to our website, CrackedRackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out as always to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who we have working overtime right now. And as always, have a of an editing job to do. Of course, shout out to our friends at Turn of Tennis. Remember, contact sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707 to become a part of the Turn of Team. With that in mind, Maddie, any final thoughts as we look ahead to what should be a fantastic opening weekend of postseason play? Let the games begin, man. Let the games begin. I'm pumped, ready to go. Sick'em bears. Let the games begin indeed. And with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks Dekoyak, for Chris Hallioris, who always is influencing these podcasts, wasn't here today, but of course he'll be back here later on in the week. For super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, for our friends at Turn of Tennis, and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Maddie, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.